Welcome to episode 328 of the AMPM podcast. In this episode, I'm speaking with Eve Chen. Eve is based in Shenzhen, China. She's a seller that has sold on the Amazon.com marketplace and actually exited her business for eight figures. And she's got a lot of insight about how Chinese sellers think differently than Western sellers and a couple of really cool stories, too. I think you'll enjoy this episode. Welcome to the AMPM podcast. Welcome to the AMPM podcast. We explore opportunities in e-commerce. We dream big and we discover what's working right now. Plus, plus, this is the podcast where money never sleeps. Working around the clock in the AM and the PM. Are you ready for today's episode? I said, I said are, are you, you ready? Ready. Let's do this. Let's do this. Here's your host, Here's your host. Kevin King. Kevin King. Welcome to the AMPM podcast. Today I have a very special guest coming all the way from China, from uh, Shenzhen, I, I believe, uh, in China. Her name is Eve Chen. Uh, Eve, how are you doing today? Hello, Kevin. It's really nice to be here because I watch your all your online videos when I was learning Amazon, and I'm really a big, big fan. So really, very happy to be here. You mean the online videos? Were you watching like just the like the free webinars and stuff, or were you watching like Freedom Ticket, or what were you watching? So I was uh, so I used the Helium Ten because of you, and also I watched all your Freedom Ticket. And uh, everyone who wants to enter Amazon, I will say watch that first, then we talk. Otherwise, we don't have a ground base. So what year was this that you actually watched the Freedom Ticket or start getting involved in Amazon? Uh, so from so 2016, I knew about Amazon. Why? Because my friend who are living in Shenzhen, they got uh, rich that year by selling Amazon. And I was like broke from my last business. And I was really have absolute no money at all. And then I saw like, uh, I think they're not smarter than me. They are not working harder than me. Why? Why are they richer than me? And then I started asking them. So then they told me they are doing this thing called Amazon FBA. I was like, what is that at all? And then from 2017, I was really like desperate and broke. So I started to study that. And uh, because I had no money, I was searching online for uh, for the different courses and to understand. So so in the beginning, I bought something just from the Alibaba, I tried to sell that, and I figured that that's no way making money, and they are lying to me. They must make money somewhere else. But uh, uh, until, so 2017, 18, I was alone at home, and then every day watching your videos, and basically every videos on YouTube I've watched when they talk about uh, like uh, how to do Amazon, how to do product research, and was, of course I find your content was the best. This is why, like uh, two years ago when I met you, I was so excited. And uh, so from from 2019, so end of 2018 is where I find a business model that I see there's hope. So which means everything I launch get sell immediately the next day. So I know I was in the right path. So beginning of 2019, I started to have my first employee. And uh, 2020, of course, is great year, double down. 2021, uh, I sold the business. Yeah. So if you were broke when you started, how did you, because you, you, when you sold your business just recently, for it was doing eight figures a year. Yes. Right. And gross revenue. Yeah. So how did if, if when you were in 2016, 2017, if you were broke, how did you finance your business? 
How did you buy the inventory? And did you work out like special arrangement with a supplier where you could pay them later? Or how did, how did you do that? Actually, I start uh, with uh, $10,000 and uh, slowly, slowly moved to uh, $40,000, $50,000. And it's like all in. So every cent I have, uh, like, like besides, I was also like doing part part time job just to get money to invest it. So every cent matters to me, and I put all into the, uh, all into the Amazon. I don't have any debt. I didn't borrow any money except from my mother. I might borrowed ten thousand once for her for fifteen days. You know, when Amazon pay me back, I pay immediately her back, and uh, also. The good thing about Amazon is that they pay you every 15 days. So if I'm out of like cash or I have problems, I just talk to the factory, tell them, okay, can I pay you like one week later? Then I pay them and ask them to deliver. So the the key that I always pay them and uh, and when I will be delayed, I have no money. I always cost them, explain in, in uh, so explain upfront, and they also trust me. So this is how I grow. So. So first of all, all in. Secondly, no debt because I was alone, no money. I only choose the, uh, I only choose the product which brings money. I mean, I don't. So so any product we, if if I ship there, and uh, make no money or only let's say twenty percent profit. So I know it sounds high, but actually twenty percent is not enough. You have to go forty percent. Then you are not in debt and your cash flow is positive. Otherwise. I realize that the so if your profit uh, margin is not high enough, then the more you do, the bigger you are, the poorer you are, and all your money are tied in the inventory and and in Amazon. For yourself, you have no money. What was your cost of the product from the factory, and what were you selling it for? Uh, I mean, oh, you had a bunch of products, but what's like a good uh, good product for you? Okay, good product is like really good. It's like a one dollar plus the shipping. I mean, one dollar from the factory, two dollar plus the shipping arriving on Amazon, and I selling for twenty dollar. I mean, there was a time I I was selling for twenty nine ninety nine, and then the competition comes out, so I was selling for twenty. And there was time like I goes down to twelve ninety nine and nine point ninety nine. Then I give up on that pro uh, like on that product because if they don't make money, I just cut them that day. I don't waste any second on those like uh, no profitable things. Yeah. So you you grew this over three or four years into an eight figure business, right? Yes. Yes. And uh, and so were you taking any profits out along the way or were you still reinvesting everything or did you take a little bit of money out so to pay your your bills or or take a nice vacation or something or were you just constantly reinvesting the money and just living as cheaply as you could actually until the 2020 beginning of 2020 i was like broke like uh, like i i really like uh, cooking at home and eating by myself and uh hiring like the cheapest people, having the broke office and all of that. But because of the COVID, there was like two, three months that the factory are not working. I don't have to pay anyone I'm ordering, but because they didn't deliver, I don't need to pay anything. I just realized that the cash are like uh, accumulating more and more and more. And then I said, okay, let me put away 50% of whatever I get and see how it works. So again, I limited myself to that whatever comes back every 15 days, 50% put away, I'm not touching it and see how far I can go with another 50%, including doubling down, including the inventory. In that case, because of the limited resources, 
I really have to be very careful with my decisions and where I allocate my money, which inventory comes first, how do I ship my product? So, and yes, so from 2020, I was able to like uh, save 50% of whatever I get from Amazon. That's awesome. What what kind of products, what category were you in? Jewelry. In jewelry. Yeah. So was this like costume jewelry like, or was it like Halloween jewelry or jewelry for New Year's or just cool necklaces and rings or what kind of jewelry was it? Um, I had like uh, 3,000 ASINs and all that what you have mentioned, I have all sold them. Yeah. 3,000 ASINs? Yes. So was that 3,000 different types of jewelry or some of that like maybe a thousand different things, but some of them were in different colors or different stones or different lengths? Um, 3,000 ASINs, 3,000 listings, some of them are color variations, some of them, so some are stones, some are silver, some are, so some are cheap jewelry, so it depends on what kind of ASIN, but I have a certain amount of uh, factory um, I'm using, so um, um, it's not much. So so it sounds a lot, but actually it's a variation, but I don't put them in parent ASIN, I separate them. So that's a, those are light, easy to ship. Don't, so you could air freight those over to the U.S. You didn't have to ship by sea or anything. They're super lightweight, don't cost you much in fulfillment. You're paying a dollar or two dollars landed and selling them for anywhere from when things got bad to $10 to as much as $30 or more. That sounds like a pretty good business to me. Yes, and that is true that I'm really very cheap. Therefore, I don't do air like I'm not allowed my people to ship by air. So I'm giving them, so ah. so my requirement, I mean, so because uh, ship by air is the easiest thing, but it's not the most profit for the owner. And uh, how I do that is that um, I give them a bonus. And then I say, if this 3000 ASINs, none of them are out of stock, then let's say you get uh, $500 that month. Um, and then, uh, but you are, so, so you are allowed to ship once by air and then um, and then the rest you have to ship by ocean. So this is the way how I can like motivate um, my people to really look carefully, because if you open the gate of saying you can like airship everything and then they just airship everything, they just ship today, tomorrow, then there's no like money seeming in their mind because they are they are the employee mindset. So that's like um I know it's a great product, but uh, it doesn't mean that I'm allowed them to like ship per air. Yeah, that is what I want to clarify. So would you say you have an advantage since you're you're Chinese and, and live in China and you're dealing with the, the Chinese manufacturers? Do you think you have an advantage over the Western people because you speak the language? You could they, they maybe they like you said, they trust you more because you're local. Do you think that that's that's an advantage to selling on Amazon uh, being based where the manufacturing is? Yes and no. So the uh, let's say what you mentioned for the factory trust, they love Western seller much more than Chinese seller because I might negotiate with them 10 times. Every time I order, I negotiate and they don't like me. And if they have order from you or from any Western seller, they will put your order in front of mine because uh, the Western seller have a much better reputation. And uh, so I don't think that's an advantage. And then the second thing that, yes, I am sitting in China, but it means I don't know what American wants. And uh, I have no experience with branding. I don't have local warehouses. If anything happened in the US, how are the things returning to me? Never. What can you do? Slow away. So actually, 
the moment that goods leave your warehouse, leave China, it's bye-bye. So you never see them anyway. And it's great if you can turn them into money. Otherwise, they're just gone. So I don't think that's an advantage. And actually, it's much higher risk. So if I'm a Western seller, I have some locations in America. If something happened in American, I mean, I mean, in the Amazon, in the U.S., I can just ask FBA to ship back uh, to my home stay in U.S. somewhere. But for Chinese seller, that's uh, like impossible. And also for the customer service, like a Chinese seller, they really don't know how to write great listings, also pictures. I don't even know that what my product, I mean, I know who will use my product after I try them. But before that, it's very difficult for me to imagine what product Americans would like. So were you using like Helium 10 to find what they were liking? Or were you just guessing? Uh, you were just looking and the, hey, there's this necklace looks pretty good. I can source that and let me try it and see what happens. Or were you using tools to try to figure out exactly what you should sell and what you shouldn't sell? Uh, yes, yes. I use uh, Helium 10 to do product research. And uh, my most important job is to find where the niche are. So, I mean, it's, it's jewelry, but jewelry and jewelry, there are big difference. So I have to, um, I have to look at where are less sellers and more demand like uh, you have taught us and uh, 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 yeah so and um, but you can do research as much as you like without trying you never know so for me the first thing is to just ship I don't know 100 500 1000 and try and then see would were they get sold or not if not just forget about it move on to the next if it's getting sold then you shipping and then let them slowly slowly wreck but i have never done any black hat thing because i don't be believe that's a long-term game yeah so what was your best if you had to guess like your best-selling piece of jewelry sold in the whole three or four years uh sold ten thousand, sold a hundred thousand pieces what do you think what was your probably the best seller that how many pieces did it sell? The best seller was per month. I was selling 1,500 pieces to 3,000 pieces a day. Oh, sorry, a month, a month. Yeah, that was my best selling product. How many people did you have? You said you, you hired your first person, but in, in, just before you sold, how many people did you have working for you? I had 20 people, 10 working in the office and 10 working in the factory. I mean, my own warehouse because own oh, your own warehouse. Yeah. So, so because we do hundred um, percent quality control because I cannot afford any bad reviews. So, and I don't trust factory will do that well for me. So I, um, so I ask my people to check everything, like 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 look at every product at once. That's a big task. Yeah. Of that many pieces and that many SKUs. That's 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 a lot of work. Did they find a lot of problems that you had to? Uh, yes, in the beginning, but every time I find a problem, I will yell at the factory. So after you yell at them for one year, two years, they stop. So, so they will know, but they will say like, oh, but if you want this, we can do, but it will be like 10 cent more. Then I said, okay, I'm paying you 10 cent more, but can you guarantee me that this never happened ever again? If it happens, then you have to refund me for my uh, manpower, for my packaging, blah, blah, blah. So this is kind of a negotiating going, going along the way so so at the end actually 
they are quite good. So they are like 99% good. And if my people can find out one or two wrong, I'm satisfied because you cannot require like a hundred percent perfect. That's impossible. Yeah. So did you, were you selling with an Amazon seller account based in China or was your account based in the US? Based in China because I did it very honest. And also I want to say that an American account is much better than Chinese account and Chinese will dream to have like American account because you have fast like a customer service response and you have better traffic, you have better conversion rate and people, I mean, Amazon take you much more serious than the Chinese account. This is so far we have experience. And also, you know, so the Chinese seller are trying to open ticket or calling on Saturday evening or Sunday just to hope that Chinese don't get on them. They will get some Indian or get some American to answer their question. So, <laughs> I mean, I mean, the grass is always green on the other side. But yeah. So how are you launching these products? You said you didn't do any black cat. And we'll talk about that in a minute where there's there's some people based in Asia and Chinese sellers that they do a lot of that. But you said you didn't do any of that. Yeah. So how were you launching your new your new jewelry pieces? Did you just put them up and they started to sell because you did good homework or did you have a list or a marketing method? Uh, how were how you doing that? Okay. When the product arrived, you know, you at the back end, you can see the incoming. So, yeah. And then the moment it appears there, I start to do ads for everything. So which means broad phrase exact for the keyword and also the same thing for brand and target ASIN, brand ASIN. So all possible uh, ads on. So, and then why? Because I have to make sure that tomorrow when I wake up, the ASIN has to be sold at least one piece. I think that's very important. So I don't waste any honeymoon period. And how I launched them is that before uh, I decided to choose this product, I already know which keyword because I know in which market I'm competing with. I know which keywords I want to occupy. I know whose traffic I'm taking and uh, whose customer I'm sharing with. So I have like eight competitions. I know who they are. And when I, when I launch them and have all ads on, there is no reason that it cannot be sold the next day. If it isn't, then there's something wrong with the li listing. I mean, for the price, um, I don't launch very high. I even go like lower, but I will add $1 every day. And uh, when I launch them, if they don't sell the next day, I will change listing. I will change uh, I will change pictures. Of course, I will see if the ads have impression, if they have clicks and what is wrong, why they're not selling. And then the second day, I will still watch it until it starts to sell. So the normal speed should be today sell one, tomorrow sell two, the day after tomorrow sell three. And if it's not in this speed, I will also check what is wrong. Is my ads wrong? So you start with a low price. So if the, if you're going to sell this piece of jewelry, you're, you want to sell it for twenty nine ninety five. Maybe you would start it at like seven dollars and ninety five cents or something uh, because not so low. I would if it's twenty nine. I probably I go with nineteen ninety nine uh, in the beginning, and if it doesn't sell, then I will just let go to eighteen ninety nine to see what happened, and then seventeen until so. So the key that the first, I don't know, 500 to 1,000 you are selling, it's not there to make money. It's there to test the market. So is this niche really what you thought? Is this keywords really 
what you thought to verify that. And if the first 1,000, you don't lose money, it's already a win. So but by, time, by the time you're having to spend a lot on advertising because you're testing and you don't have reviews yet, so that hurts your conversion rate. So you, the way you looked at it is these first 500 to 1,000, if I can just break even, yep. then that's a big win for me. And that means I should continue this product um, and ride the momentum and ride the wave. Yes. And that's if you lost money on it, um, what was your cutoff point where, where you're like, okay, forget this one. Uh, did you have to lose like double your money or did you just have a gut feeling like, okay, I don't think this is going to work or what, how would you decide to not move forward after the first 500 or a thousand? I actually decide the first 500 or 1000 already. So because you have the feeling, how hard is it? So if you are going all in, but it doesn't really like uh, convert or it doesn't run. So you feel that, oh, I already beat like $2 and I'm not even a peer somewhere. So then you know your competition are very high and they are not letting you getting any like uh, like impression. So then I will give up. And actually, if you don't make money or or, or if you lose money the first 1000 that's already hurtful enough. And why go double down? So what what would you need to change? You, you need to change the product. You need to change the PPC. You have tested the first 1000 already. So... So if they, so if you feel like there's no chance to make money, like uh, like you always sell below the cost and your conversion rate is low and your customer is wrong, just give it up. Next product. Were you only using Western-based tools like Helium Ten, or are there some special tools in Chinese that Chinese sellers and people have made that you're able to use to to help you as well? Um, because I got educated by you, so I was using all Western seller tools, and uh, I I have monitored the Chinese seller tools, and uh, uh, they have some which they can calculate your profit, and then, but they are very costly, and I didn't use them because for the they are selling for each each piece you are selling, you have to pay them ten cent. I'm like, are you another Amazon? So what are you doing? Just track my data. You have to charge me. So I didn't uh, use them. But for some of the Chinese seller, uh, it was crucial. But I didn't use any because Helium 10 is enough. So what made you decide to sell your business? Is that Was that always a goal of yours? Or did someone come knocking on your door and say, hey, uh, we like what you're doing. We like to talk. Or how, how did that process work? Um, I have heard about it all along, but I never saw that it's possible because I'm a like a Chinese seller, and uh, I think they don't consider. But when the aggregator entered the Chinese market, and when I got approached, uh, I took it uh, more seriously. And also for me, I never saw that I really have brand except the brand on Amazon. So I don't sell anything offline in the U.S. And actually. I'm working for Amazon. So Amazon is my boss. So one day if he decides he doesn't let me make money, then I'm just gone. And uh, so I never thought this is something I can do forever. And uh, so, and I think selling is the best way to, to, to get whatever like uh, you can get. And then, uh, so in the beginning, Mm, when I noticed that, um, I think like uh, when I know the multiple was like two, 2.5 times, I have to say back then I thought it was a great deal because can anyone guarantee that their listing can live that long? 
I mean, I was thinking about a very rational and uh, whatever they are trying, whatever there is on the market as multiple, I'm just thinking like, I have to keep those listings alive for another, I don't know, three years, four years, five years, six years. That's really hard. So it's a good deal. And also the inventory, you are stuck into there and someone is taking it over and also they are helping you to sell them. That's just great. And uh, so I think that the difference between me and other Chinese seller was I took it uh, very serious and uh, I have talked a lot and actually for like half year I was only working on that I stopped uh, developing my business I didn't double down because in 2021 everyone thinks that they can double down that year again like 2020 but I made a clear choice that uh, I want to try another opportunity and and of course I got lucky because I was yeah you had a seven-figure exit right yes yes and and so are you still involved with Amazon now or or have you retired or what are you doing now? I'm retired and uh, I've been pushing myself a lot down to not do Amazon again because I love it and I really like the community. I mean, also, I would like to give back. So um, I don't really like uh, want to do Amazon again because I know it's a hard work. So what we worked on, what we have done, we know it was not easy, so I don't, I don't think I want to do it again, and uh, and uh, and I don't have a high like a, like a expense. So for whatever I exceeded, it was enough for me. So I don't need to do much. Yeah. So you know, I've spoken in China at uh, some big events, and and a lot of people don't understand that's like a totally different culture between a, the Chinese seller and and the Western seller, and. I think it was 2018 or 2019, Brandon Young and I were over in China and we ended up speaking at this big event. Uh, and it's like on a Sunday in this hall. And it was like every Sunday they did an event and they had like 1,500 to 2,000 people yep. come to this event. You know, that's huge. That would be a huge event even by U.S. standards. I think the Prosper Show, some of the old SellerCon shows get about that many people. But most events in the U.S. are, are less than 1,000. And they're, they're coming every single Sunday. And then I know they had some during the week, too. It, yeah. it was like it was it was crazy. And then the Chinese sellers, it's a different mentality uh, over there. Uh, and, you know, it's, there's so many people in China. It's so competitive. Everybody's yes. super competitive. They work. What's it called? Nine, nine, six, you know, yeah. nine um, from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Six days a week is what you're expected to work as a worker. Yes. And it's it's like crazy. Can you tell me some of the things that you've noticed that are different between the, the way the Chinese approach selling on Amazon versus the way the, you know, we taught in the freedom ticket or the Western people uh, sell? Yes. I mean, um, I can like speak from the eight figure Chinese seller because I, I was one of them. And then they have also this like a club with people who are selling eight figures and they verify you and they enter. And uh, so it's kind of like the, like the MDS or the helium 10 elite or something uh, yeah. of China, you seller. So if you're doing eight figures or more per year and that's verifiable that you yes. go through a process yes. then they have a special group we don't want to name the group but they have a special group yes. where you can get into this group and it's it's a quite a few people uh in in, in this group so tell me about that so until now they have like 500 people and I was like chatting with them they know you Kevin and then they also say like they have contact with you 
So we can、oh, get, yeah, and we can get into that、uh, later.、Uh, yeah, I mean, for the Chinese, I don't know, I don't know them. <laughs> I think you know the contact. I might know a few people in there. Yeah, that's yeah. maybe yeah. Yeah, and uh, so uh, the Chinese seller, the big sellers, the one I know, I mean, they don't、uh, speak good English, and、uh, they don't watch American series or movies. But the one thing they are. Uh, like very special. What I also learned from them is that all-in mood. So for them, this opportunity of Amazon is one-time lifetime opportunity. It's not they are they are not playing around with it. So they really see this opportunity as a very uh, special uh, like a creating wealth opportunity. So just imagine what if the Western seller was selling on the Chinese market in a language that they. Don't know, and they don't know the culture. How would they do? And this is the same for the Chinese seller, and they are they are usually not very well educated. And but like、uh, like I can give you some example. So so for example, during the lockdown in Shenzhen, so everyone is like buying food and then going home and stay home. For the Shenzhen company, it's like who are going to sleep in the company? So boss is. Packing his bed into the company, and、uh, the most important people are all in the company. So, so if it's locked down for a week, they are all just in the company for a week because someone has to take care of the account. And、uh, um, and also when they launch a product, like、uh, they will be sleeping in the office, and then waking. So so boss plus the operation guy will be sleeping in the office, and they will wake up every. Two hours to adjust the ads to make sure they are top ranked, and this is their way of doing things. Or、oh, when we have meeting there, I mean, when I was there, we were working、uh, like nine to six,、uh, like like nine in the morning into until six in the evening, but six days a week. But after six o'clock, I usually have meeting with sellers, and、uh, so one meeting at six o'clock. And then one meeting at nine o'clock, and after nine o'clock, if it's interesting, we will meet again at eleven o'clock to to discuss what happened tonight. And then tomorrow, immediately in, implemented on the business. And then tomorrow, we go over again, see what's right, what's wrong, and how can we change. So these are different sellers, and you're not really competing against each other. You're selling your jewelry. Another guy is selling、uh, kitchen products, and you are sharing tactics and strategies and things among each other. Is that right? Uh yes, but actually it's less tactic. It's more mindset because tactic doesn't bring you very far. The mindset, how you look at it, actually bring you so far. So what what we usually discuss is that uh how do we see this this thing? What is the basic of it? Why does Amazon do this? And how? So what kind of strategic way we can Like、uh, implement it and to against like、uh, like to protect ourselves. It's more in this direction than like oh do I do remote manipulation here or there or how do I do? So it's less in this、uh, level. So it's more.、Uh, so I can give you an example.、Uh, for example, in the beginning, I mean the first Amazon seller, they are all mostly from eBay, which means they have done eBay and then they change to Amazon. One day they were discussing. They say like, 
when eBay was in China and when they invite the top 10 seller in China, so, um, yeah, so, so top 10 eBay seller coming to the event. And everyone's very friendly. Everyone knows what you are selling and then they will help each other. Oh, please use this provider. He'll give you a better shipping cost and blah, blah, blah. So they were helping each other. Same people, when they sell on Amazon, no one tells each other, what are you selling? And everyone's like really being secretive. Why that? Same people, different platform. Because that is what Amazon wants you to be. And because they allowed hijacking, because they decide which uh, which product there is. This is why they create this very competitive background. And um, so this is thing they will share. And then how we look at Amazon and um, for their rules, how do we deal with that? So it's like uh, this kind of thing we will more discuss about. Why are the Chinese sellers so obsessed with Amazon like in the US or in Europe when you have big e-commerce platforms in China? Why don't they focus on the, the, you know, the Alibaba and the 1688 and the JD and all the other ones that are in China instead of worrying about Amazon? Or maybe they're doing both. Or what, what is the draw okay. to Amazon US versus just staying where you know the language, you know, you know the culture, you know everything? So I tried to do this Taobao 1688. I cannot do at all. That's another level of competi- competition. That's not the level I can compete with. And also, you think that Alibaba people can sell on Amazon? No, because it's a totally different mindset. So Alibaba's model or version uh, vision is that there is no difficult business in the world. So, so by saying that, they are standing on the seller's point of view. They are helping the sellers, which means they gave the seller all the data about the buyers so that you can uh, do your ads more. But Amazon's vision is that customer first. It's clear they are standing on the customer side. So by Alibaba people coming in to sell on Amazon, it's total failure. They cannot do it because they are trained by the Chinese e-commerce that they they think they should get all the data and then they think they can, I don't know, so like uh, this review card and however they get it. They didn't follow the uh, Amazon rule and then they usually get killed very quick. So they usually lose a lot of money the first two years and uh, either they change their mind or they are just out. So selling on Amazon is more of a game then. So that's why a lot, you know, a lot of people associate Chinese sellers with Black Hat. You know, I know you didn't do that uh, with with your account. That's one of the reasons you're able to sell it. If you've been doing a bunch of black at the buyer, probably would not have bought your account. Yeah. But a lot of that's that's the Western connotation is 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 they believe that most Chinese sellers are doing some sort of black at. They're doing hijacking. They're doing going and changing the listing. They're opening, sending in uh, ten different products to get ten different sets of Vine reviews, then combining them together. They have. 5, 10, 15, 20 accounts when they launch and, they, and they're merging stuff together. So what is is that true or is it just a small percentage of the people that are doing that or is it because it's so competitive and like you said, this is their one opportunity. This is They see this as their one chance to build wealth that they'll do anything at any cost. What, what, what are your thoughts around those perceptions out there? Uh, for the big seller, if they reach eight figure, 
I wouldn't say they don't do it, but I would say they separate that from their their normal business. So no one gets to do black hat that they are big and never get punishment. So that is just impossible. And uh, there are people who does that, and I know them too. But for them, it's very clear that I do black hat, I do review manipulation because I want to earn quick money. They never expect that to be. Like a long-term thing, and also it's a gambling mindset. But they have also long-term product, which they are trying to do bestseller, and those are the accounts. So they have like a clean account or a couple clean accounts, and then they do all the black hat on some separate accounts. Yes, and also on some separate products because it depends on the products,、uh, what you are selling. Some some doesn't need much review if you have a great product.、Uh, Then you are good, but some some needs a lot of review if you want to compete there. And you're telling me like one of the the sellers in this big group of sellers that that he was doing something where he would monitor listings. I think for like six months he would look at the price or how many or what was it? You were they ranking or something? Can you tell me about that? Tell tell us about that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so so these are crazy stories.、Uh, I mean,、uh, so we were sitting on the dinner table. That this was the first time I met the Shenzhen seller, and then they are talking about、uh, which category they can enter, and then which like factory they can buy from, and then. One of the guys said, "Like, oh, I.、Um, so this is something I'm. So I'm doing. Just give an example that he's selling. I don't know air fryer, and then before he even entered this competitive、uh, market, he will look at the top ten seller, and then he will give them bad reviews. So once a day, or like like one bad review a day, or two bad review a day, but." For the top ten, everyone gets it.、Uh, why does he do this? Is because so the first one gets bad review. Of course, he will notice very quick. And、uh, who is he thinking? So he must think like, oh, the second guy、uh, must throw me bad review. And then the second guy thinks, oh, the third ranking guy is giving me bad review. So the top ten is like, who is giving me? So and then what happened with that is they are going to throw each other bad review. So, which means the whole ranking will change because this is like the first time are attacking each other. But before you even enter the market, you can see how the ranking changes and how the review changes. And after six months, he told me that if he see the ranking didn't change, then he knows this is not a market I can enter because no matter what they can establish their. Ranking and they are determined to stay there. He knows he have no chance to win. Then he will not enter this、um, market. So, but if you see that the rank has changed completely, there might be that some number ten guys all of a sudden number one because the one two three are gone. Then he knows that they don't have deep pocket. They don't have so they don't know what they are doing. Then he thinks he can be better than them. So then they enter. Wow. What's another like crazy th- tactic or story that you've seen someone do, kind of like that, or, or something similar? Where you're like, oh my god, that 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 would、uh, like make my mouth open, like holy cow. Yes, so there was a story which fascinated me. Is in 2021 when Amazon shut down all the black hat and review manipulation, and also the big sell, big, big Chinese seller are hurting. Yeah, they suspended like was it several billion dollars worth of sales、yes. uh, from a lot of、uh, Chinese-based sellers. Put them out of some of them out of business. 
but some of them not so much out of business. Uh, go ahead. Yes, I mean I know uh, some of them, and everyone. I mean the first question when everyone meets everyone is like. How is your account doing? It's uh, like, <laughs> like is everyone alive? And uh, but the but the story I heard is that so just imagine that so you have this like millions of inventory on Amazon and one day Amazon tells you you cannot sell that anymore. But your factory, your employee, and the shipping company are waiting for you to pay. So every 15 days, when you get the money, it all goes to them. But if it shuts you down the next 15 days, 15 days, you cannot pay anymore. What do you do? What I heard is that they rent an air, um, airplane and then... Like a, like a 747 or a big airplane? So I, I don't know how big it is, but uh, they put like full of their packaging, new packaging. So same packaging as they had on Amazon, but... They have changed uh, the package and changed the brand and put on the plane flying there to a third 3PL. And then they remove the inventory from Amazon to the 3PL and change the box and then shipping as a completely new brand and start selling on day one. And then when Amazon shut them down, we we were think like oh I didn't do any manu- review manipulation I will rank better the big guys are gone no actually they are back after two three days they are there and they are selling much more cheaper than before because they need the cash flow very desperate so they really need their cost down to get the money back and this is why actually the price has down a lot and everyone just try to sell as much as possible as soon as possible just to be able to survive i think that was like hard so what do you think about in a lot of categories the chinese sellers are dominating they 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 own that and there's some people that say that if they're doing their product research on helium 10 and they see that uh, you know helium 10 has a tool that shows you which country the seller is from mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and they say that if you see over a certain percentage like maybe over half or over 60 or 70 percent are all sellers in China, it could be the factories, it could be sellers, that that's, that's not a, a market or a product you should do because the Chinese seller has such a big advantage. Maybe they play by different rules or maybe like you said, you can negotiate harder with the factory and, and different with the factory. So what is what would you recommend that, that sellers do out there right now to, to try to have an advantage uh, to compete? Uh, against uh, some of the Chinese sellers that maybe they don't play by the rules or maybe they have an advantage because they're they're local. Is it create a better listing? It's better English? Is it do something different? What what can they do? For Chinese seller, I don't think that Chinese seller have a more advantage than Western sellers. They just work harder. So because you can say like Chinese seller gets a better uh, purchasing price. Let's say ten percent cheaper. That's already a lot of cheaper but the, that influence the results not at all that that means nothing compared to the ads cost but like the Chinese said they don't speak English they really don't know what Americans want and uh, uh, they spend all this money on the on the ads so I think for the cost point of view it's all the uh, same and uh, what they don't know and what Western seller have advantage is that branding like uh, Western seller does a much better branding, much much better picture, much better listing, and uh, uh, like customer knows if this is an American seller or a Chinese seller. 
So um, what would uh, I suggest them to do? I would say, so fast is better than perfect. Just launch and try. So if it doesn't work, like the first 300, the first 500, just get your invest money back and move on to the next one. And, uh, and order in the beginning as less as possible, but launch as much as possible. Because there is a 2080 rule. I mean, in the beginning, before I find the niche, I tried at least 10 different niches and come down to two niches. Then I dig more into that. So just expect when you launch 10, two will make money. Then you should launch 20, you should launch 40 because your winning opportunity is higher. And also doing it fast because it's the internet, it's the... It's these days, like uh, the speed, because Chinese are working three times harder than here. And uh, um, um, and uh, just, just launch, you have a great idea. But once you identify the niche, you should really think, how do you defend your territory? How do you make sure that you finally find this niche? And when other people are coming in, how do you yuck them away how do you scare them away like that's so that's worth think and then that is worth develop some activity around it so like like once you finally find the meat and you make sure you are the only one who eats it no one else comes in so Eve, you're still young you've had a big exit out from your company you said you're you're kind of retired but you're going to get bored at some point of being retired and, and sitting around the house. What are you going to do? Are you going to travel? Maybe do a different bit. You said you're not sure if you want to do another Amazon business, maybe do some sort of other kind of business or what, what's next for you? Uh, yes. So traveling around and just, just catch a breath because I just think like the last three, four years have shortened my life. And uh, I already forgot how to, like live a normal life. And uh, so I want to get that back. Um, I don't know when I'm getting, so I'm, I'm loving life and I'm not bored. And if I'm bored, I will start thinking, but uh, I really try very hard to not do Amazon ever again. It's, uh, it's hard. It's really hard. Would you recommend if one of your friends came to you now in China and said, Hey, I saw your success. Uh, how did you do it? And you tell them Amazon, would you recommend they do it? Yes. So I think Amazon is still a great business model and the leverage is really great. And compared to other business model, it's still very profitable. And it might be not as profitable as three years ago, but now it's still a great opportunity. If you have the right mindset, uh, I think it's, it's still a way to be successful and wealthy. Yeah. I totally believe in that. Thank you very much, Eve. This was uh, great. I really appreciate you coming on the AMPM podcast and, and sharing. It's, uh, it's been awesome. Thank you, Kevin. I really, so, so it's really great to talk to you and I get very excited. Awesome. Well, thanks again. Yeah, thank you. I hope you enjoyed Eve and I's conversation and got some great insight from that. Don't forget the Billion Dollar Seller Summit, the virtual edition is coming up in just a couple weeks, February 22nd and 23rd. It's virtual, so you can do it from anywhere in the world. If you want more information on that, go to BillionDollarSellerSummit.com. It's a limited event, so there's a limited number of seats. Even though it is virtual, I'm limited by contract on how many I can have in the room. 
It's actually a live event. It's not uh, pre-recorded like a lot of summits. There's interaction with the speakers. There's breakout rooms. It's, it's pretty cool. So hopefully you all have a chance to join us there. We'll be back again next week with another great episode. But before we do, I want to leave you with this week's quick little nugget. Accountability is the quickest way to happiness. Accountability is the quickest way to happiness. See you next week.